Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views, the place for pets. And they're people who love them. Aw, he's so soft. Come here, come here, boy. Here is your host, practicing veterinarian, veterinary news network reporter, and host of the popular YouTube show, The Web DVM, Dr. Roger Welton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. I'm your host, practicing veterinarian Roger Welton, coming to you live from the Florida Space Coast. For those of you tuning in live, I'm coming to you on the Blog Talk Radio Network, or you may be listening on the player at my blog site, which is web-dvm.net. For those of you who prefer to uh, see and not listen... We also upload these shows onto my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com front slash RWDVM, DVM as in Dr. Veterinary Medicine. So thank you very much for joining us this evening. We are a live call-in show, folks, although we don't get calls too often, but in case any of you decides to not be shy, I will share with you the number, one eight seven seven eight seven eight. 1435 one that is toll-free, so feel free to give me a call. Give me your comments, questions, concerns about anything we may have talked about in last episode or tonight, the topic of tonight's episode. Tonight we will be talking about what wellness in pets reveals. Talk about a little bit about what wellness is and um, some of the trends that we're seeing in pet wellness and some of the things that are a bit concerning. And we'll delve into that in a couple of minutes here. The other modality that you can contact me and communicate with the show is by email. We have an email account, comments at web-dvm.net, comments at web-dvm.net. And by that venue, you folks are not shy. We almost always have email questions or comments. Tonight we have one coming from Tanya of Traverse City, Michigan. And let's go over that before we delve into our topic tonight. This is what Tanya had to say about our last episode, and this was a day in the life of the practicing veterinarian. It kind of described a typical day of the practicing veterinarian. I loved your last episode about a day in the life of a practicing veterinarian. I think it is important for aspiring vets like me to really understand what it is like to actually be a vet versus the romanticized idea we tend to have in our minds. I love James Harriet's stories just like you did when you were an aspiring to be when you were aspiring to be a vet. But times have changed since his day, and I'm also sure he took a little dramatic license in telling his stories. I am currently a pre-veterinary student at Michigan State and working as an on-the-job trained veterinary technician. I want to add to your last broadcast about the reality of being a vet that anyone who thinks that this is their career path should be sure to get a job in the field as soon as possible. While the reality of what everyday practice is like through me threw me some unexpected surprises, experiencing the good that skilled veterinarians do for pets and their families day in and day out has inspired me even more to stay the course. But in only two years that I've been working here, I have seen several aspiring veterinarians and veterinary technicians simply change their minds once they experienced the real world and the reality did not meet their preconceived expectations. Thank you so much for your show. It is so informative and inspiring especially for those of us who are working to be doctors of veterinary medicine one day like you. I, along with several of my classmates at State, 
are big fans. Well, thank you for sharing that, Tanya. And it's oh so true. Uh, we have aspiring veterinarians, you know, young young people that may be applying to pre-veterinary college or they're in pre-veterinary college. Uh, they may be undecided as to what they want to do, where they want to go, and they will take a job and we'll, you know, start them from scratch, teach them basic restraint. If they start to really show their chops, we'll advance them to doing maybe some uh, teaching them how to do some limited injections and little by little do some on on the job technical work and we're especially we're especially uh I don't want to say lenient but we're especially I I guess interested in advancing the careers of aspiring veterinarians those who show the aptitude the skill as well as the coursework that are you know really headed in that direction we go out of our way to really support their hopes and dreams and get them as proficient as we can uh at you know with, within the realm of our practice and when they thrive we provide them letters of recommendation, things of that nature. But it's not just the training. It's also realizing, is this really what I want to do? Because, yes, we many of us have read James Harriet novels, and they're just lovely. You read them and you say, God, I can't wait to be a veterinarian. And and to be fair, James Harriet novels are great, and, and please read the stories. They're amazing. They're, they're just wonderful. They're heartwarming. Um, it, it harkens from a different time, but uh, – the realities are, are different, but really the uh, the core of what we're trying to do is still the same. But you get into practice, and there could be you know owners that are often angry uh, for for reasons that you really can't control. Uh, sometimes there's owners that have expectations you can't meet. Sometimes there are frustrating medicine cases, surgical cases. You've done everything right, but for some reason you're not getting the results you want. You know everyday frustrations that are part of the reality that can be really disconcerting disappointing to people who have this idealized image in their minds of what it's like to be veterinarian. So very valid statement, Tanya. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that because that's a great perspective from an aspiring veterinarian. And I'd like to say she's doing it right, it sounds like. So tonight we're going to talk about wellness. And why I'm talking about it tonight is that the reason I brought it up, and pardon me, I'm a little nasally and uh, just recovering from a little cold. <clears throat> Hopefully I don't sound too annoying. The uh, wellness visits basically it refers to the yearly examination. Yes, there's vaccine involved, but you know vaccines. Yes, they're important, um, but they're not the primary goal necessarily. We want to do a, an examination on the pet. We want to do fecal or stool screening for parasites, intestinal parasites, and we want to do heartworm screening in dogs to make sure that they don't have heartworm disease. It's uh, a very, very serious and common disease, especially here in Florida where I live. But anywhere where there's mosquitoes that can bite your dog, they can get heartworm disease. It, that's the vector. A lot of folks don't realize, you know, why am I treating my dog for with heartworm preventive? Why am I doing this yearly screening when, you know, he's inside all the time? Well, all it takes is a mosquito bite. So we all know that we get bit by mosquitoes uh, during certain times of the year here in Florida, all times of the year. But um, anywhere where there's a mosquito season, there's heartworm disease. So we have to be very cognizant of that. So that's really our well visit. And what we what we do in my practice is over the age uh, seven years or older, we're also doing a uh, complementary blood pressure because we, we're seeing at seven years of age or older, you know, hypertension. But that's a whole other topic. Um, what we're looking at in the reality of our profession is in the last decade, we're seeing sort of a, a downward curve in terms of people participating with their pets in yearly wellness. And, you know, part of the reason 
before that is, of course, economic times aren't the best they've ever been, but they're certainly better than they were at least a few years ago. Yet, you know, the, the visits continue to, to come down. You know, we, we find ourselves in practices basically, you know, doing more and more just treating sick animals, injured animals, um, a lot less of the wellness. And, and part of that is because of these places that I call, uh, well, you know, of course, you have the brick and mortar discount uh, shot facilities. They they just, you know, they, they they advertise themselves as these places that just dole out shots. You come in, get all the shots you need for your pet, uh, no examination, buy a veterinarian, just plug, 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 get the shots you need, and you're on your way. It's really cheap. And, you know, there, there's there's also what's called the sh- what I call the shot wagon. The shot wagon is a mobile veterinarian. Uh, often, you know, working on the back of a van, they, they started off pulling up to, like, pet stores or pharmacies, so human pharmacies, and they've gone on to, and this 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 one's baffling, but they even pull up to gas stations now and they're offering free pet shot uh, pet shots. You know why anybody would you know go through the sacrifice and the years of work to go to veterinary school and and you know be giving shots out of the back of a van is beyond me. But but it happens. So what 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 people are getting when they take that level of care is they're yeah they're getting the shots they're getting them cheap, but they're not getting the wellness, and so that's really fallen by the wayside and it's very problematic. And, you know, the, 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 the shot wagons and the discount uh, shot facilities are one thing that's contributing to that. You know, clearly they, these veterinarians have no interest in doing real, real work, real medicine, real surgery, real wellness. Um, So they have decided to find their niche in kind of capitalizing on a troubled economy and saying, okay, well, we're going to give you shots cheaper than anybody else and, you know, just come over here and plug, plug, plug. There you go. Well, that's part of the problem, but I don't blame it all on them because the consumer ultimately makes a decision to do that, in this case, the pet owner. And the whole paradigm of our existence has changed since this great recession that 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 hit. Even though things are getting better and, you know, people are more optimistic, everybody sort of has such a fresh memory of 2008, 2009, that they just feel like the bottom's going to drop out on them. They feel like, you know, anything could go wrong at any time. And I certainly understand that fear. And and as a result, what people are, their whole new mindset is, rather than look for the best value for quality, they're just, or I'm sorry, the the best, the lowest prices balanced with the best quality, you know, sort of balancing those two criteria to simply just looking for the lowest price. And, like in anything else, you know, if you're going for the lowest price and that's your primary goal, the quality is going to suffer. You know, we we know that old saying, the you get what you pay for, and, and that often happens. You know, they're the 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 shot wagons or they're using crap vaccines. They got to crank out that. They're, it's the only way they're making revenue. They're using bottom of the barrel vaccines, high reactivity. Um, you know, they're they're doing things. Um, not following AVMA protocols, the American Veterinary Medical Association, in terms of how often vaccines should be given. We'll get into that a little bit uh, later. But, you know, they're, but they're just ignoring these things because they want to give as many shots as possible, uh, as often as possible. And so they're not tailoring their vaccine protocols. And so you take all this. Yes, you're, you're suffering. You're suffering quality there. But people rationalize, you know, so they go for the lowest price. They know in their heart of hearts that, and not just in veterinary medicine, but anything else, anything else, go for the lowest price and they know they're suffering quality, but they rationalize, well, it's not really that bad. 
you know, and they make excuses for why they should be tolerating the lesser quality service or product um, for the lower price. And that's just a mindset that we've, we've gotten ourselves into. I even find myself going, going in that direction sometimes. But, but, but here's the problem. Um, we have chronic disease increasing. We have um, – let's just, let's just read this to you the effects of, of pets not getting regular well care. Bear in mind that a yearly examination in a, in a dog or cat is equivalent to five to every five to seven years for, for people, right? Because they're, we have to proportionalize their lifespan. So that, you know, a year is a long time. That's even really conservative, just having them come in once a year. But, but here's the result. One in three cats, right? This is, this is going to blow your mind, carries a preventable parasite, some of which can infect people while, of course, reducing the health and longevity of the pet. One in four dogs and cats over the age of four has painful and health-diminishing periodontal and gum disease. 30% of dogs and cats over the age of seven have hypertension. And hypertension can be an early sign of preventable but serious disease, like kidney failure, hyperthyroid disease, diabetes, um, cardiac disease, vascular disease. Um, but, you know, Left unaddressed, we, we may we may be missing the, catching those diseases early, but by itself it can damage the eyes, the heart, the kidney, uh, liver, and of course we can we leave just like in people with hypertension, the pet prone to serious blood clots. Heart heartworm disease itself is on the rise at a time in our history when it's never been more preventable. We can prevent it. We have so many products at our disposal that are so good and and dropping in price, yet because they're not doing the screening or have just blowing off that that whole preventive wellness aspect of care, you know, it's it's on the rise and it just shouldn't be. Um, so let, let's just you know look at my last week. What I did was before this episode, and mind you, it's only Thursday. My week starts Monday. This is Thursday. These are the diseases I've caught on just a, a wellness exam. So they came in for wellness and to get vaccines up to date. And these are the things that I've caught. I caught one case of early-stage congestive heart failure in a dog, a little chihuahua, seven years old. Ten cases of, cases of advanced dental and gum disease, when I actually lifted up the gums and showed the molars and showed the owners in these cases, they're always overwhelmed, like, wow, who knew? You know, lots of times all you see is the canines. That's all you're really looking at. But when you really crank that, the, 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 the lip flaps back, you see how those teeth and gums look. It's horrifying. But that's our job, not your job. Three cases of intestinal parasites found on routine stool analysis. These are perfectly healthy pets, mind you, from their owner's point of view. Two cases of hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism in dogs, underactive thyroid. Eleven cases of flea infestation. The owners didn't know. I discovered it on flea comb. Two cases of Cushing's disease in dogs. Cushing's disease and endocrine disease where uh, the adrenal glands pump out too much uh, cortisol, which is a a stress hormone. very, very debilitating disease left untreated. One case of feline diabetes. That was a cat that was like, wow, your cat lost two pounds since last year. Eating well? Yes. Let's run some blood work. Whoa, look at that blood glucose. We have diabetes. One case of feline hyperthyroidism. So cats get hyperthyroid, overactive thyroid. Not good. One case of heartworm disease in a dog that we found on routine screening. Ten cases of obesity. Lots of people are in denial or just don't recognize obesity in, in dogs and cats, but we see it all the time. Three cases of ear infections, two dogs and one cat, that was. One case of an ear hematoma, so it was blood and fluid swelling in the ear flap of a golden retriever. Um, just 
The owner didn't know it was there. I said, hey, have you noticed the swelling? Hell, I didn't notice that. Well, that's not good. Five cases of osteoarthritis, a very arthritic. Five pets altogether, four dogs and one cat. These things are manageable, sometimes simply. Um, so, folks, it's only Thursday. This is all I've seen. And, and Thursday is my day off for my clinic. So, really, this is just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wellness exams, <laughs> you know, I found all this disease. Now, what if what if they didn't come to me? What if they went to the shot wagon down the road? There's one, like, diagonally across the street from me that pulls up to 7-Eleven. Um, what if they went to that guy? And, you know, just got plugged away with the shots. This stuff wouldn't have been discovered. They'd be suffering. So let's talk about this. Pets suffer silently. And that's something that you all need to realize. Um, Suffering silently. Animals, by their nature, hide signs of illness. They hide signs of disease. Because in the wild, what happens when an animal shows weakness? They're predated upon. They are chased out of their territory. They um, get their food stolen. So they can't show weakness. They have to be tough. And this is especially true for cats. Cats are tough. Um, they, could, they can be experiencing obscene amounts of pain and distress and not show us. So when a cat looks sick or painful, boy, that cat must be really sick or in pain because they're going to do everything they can to hide it. Same goes for dogs for the most part, just not quite to the extent of cats. So they suffer silently. Perfect example. I had a dog, a little, little min-pin mix, five years old, came in three weeks ago. Not a well visit, came in, had some diarrhea. That was just about it. Stomach was making some gurgly sounds. Otherwise, dog was normal. Came in wagging its tail. I felt this swelling in the front part of its abdomen. This firm swelling. Something just didn't feel right. Took an x-ray. Discovered that this dog had a diaphragmatic hernia. The diaphragm is the muscular wall that separates the chest and abdominal cavities. It's what enables us to inspire. I just inhaled, so I just contracted my diaphragm. That's what causes negative pressure in the chest, allows air to rush in and give oxygen to the lungs. So diaphragm is very important, okay? It doesn't just separate the cavities. It's our ability to inhale and exhale. So this particular dog had a diaphragmatic hernia. It means that this, this membrane, this muscle, ruptured, and the liver and all of its intestines, minus its rectum, so we're talking stomach, small intestine, large intestine, are all in its chest, all around its heart and lungs, sitting there. Couldn't believe it. I asked the people, has there been a recent blunt trauma to this dog's body? Because it, it this kind of injury usually requires or, uh, major trauma to the body. No, not recently, but three years ago, he was hit by a car. And I said, really? So at the time when he was hit by the car... Were x-rays taken of his abdomen? No, they, they weren't taken. We actually, they, they offered it, but we turned it down. He just looked so perky. He looked so bright, alert, and responsive. Well, that dog suffered a diaphragmatic hernia three years ago, was not showing signs then. When that's a very painful injury, it interferes with the ability to breathe. When this dog ate because its stomach was in its chest up by its heart, it probably felt pressure on its heart, felt pressure on its lungs. This dog's been, you know, playful and normal for three years as far as the owners knew, but guess what? The dog had any since that emergency visit when it got hit by a car, the dog had had zero well care. Had I seen that dog in my office for well care, what do I do as part of my examination? I palpate that abdomen. I would have felt that. I would have noticed that. That dog wouldn't have had to suffer for three years silently. And that's a perfect example of pets suffering silently. So don't think just because Fluffy looks great that he's perfectly healthy, she's perfectly healthy. They could be very ill and they're not showing you. They could be carrying a parasite, one in three, and they're not showing you. So, you know, this whole notion that, well, I don't take Fluffy to the vet ever because, 
he's perfectly healthy. He's so healthy. He looks great. Everything's fine. I'll just go to that place on the corner and get the cheap shots because my dog, my cat is healthy. Guess again. Look at all the stuff I found in three days on well visits. Okay. So the species that's really getting screwed here more than anybody, pardon my French, but got to be, got to be uh, straightforward with this stuff. Cats. God, cats, because they, I think because they're especially tough and don't show signs of weakness, because people have this notion that cats can just care for themselves. Only 18% of household cats get regular wellness care. 18%. That's astounding. That means 82% of cats don't get regular wellness care. It's, it's just, it's beyond belief. So what happens to, to the rest of these cats? So 18% of them are getting some pretty decent health care, but the rest of them are walking around with chronic parasite infestations. Fleas, periodontal disease, hypertension, thyroid disease, kidney failure, diabetes, periodontal disease. These are just a few mentions of disease that we find regularly. And parasites and fleas, keep in mind, folks, this cat's living among you or this dog's living among you among you that has these things. Um, <clears throat> these are dangerous to people, especially the elderly, the immune suppressed, and the very young. There's a particular parasite that's very common. We diagnose several a week in seemingly healthy animals, mind you, called a roundworm. And the roundworm can reach a larval stage in, in young children, five years or younger, okay, uh, where they migrate, they can migrate to the eyes and cause irreversible blindness. It's called ocular larval migraines of roundworm larvae. It happens, folks. It was on an episode of The Monsters Within. I don't know if you ever watched that on Discovery. Um, that was a monster living within a child who caught it from his uh, Labrador, four-year-old boy, blind for life. So, you know, was it worth saving that money on the on the stool test? Was it worth uh, would would you call the the stool analysis a waste of money now? You know, knowing what it can do, not just sicken your pet, but sicken your family and cause tragedy. You know, you got to look at these things. The other thing is that shots are very important, right? Vaccines are important, They're very important disease prevention, just like they are in us. But not all pets need all shots. Okay, um, there are the AVMA kind of separated out what are known as core vaccines and lifestyle and region-specific vaccines. Core vaccines are going to be sort of vaccines for diseases that are kind of ubiquitous. They're everywhere. You know, whether you're in the U.S., Canada, even Europe, for the most part, you're going to find these diseases everywhere. That would be rabies, canine distemper, canine parvo, canine parainfluenza virus, canine adenovirus, feline panleukopenia, feline rhinotracheitis, feline Khaleesi virus. And these are our core vaccines. Now, the others, feline leukemia, canine bordetella, canine leptospirosis, canine Lyme disease, these are regional and or lifestyle-specific vaccines. So it, the prevalence of these diseases is going to depend on does the pet go outside or not? Is it a hunting dog? Uh, do we have an indoor cat versus an indoor-outdoor cat versus a strictly outdoor cat? Um, what part of the country do these animals live in? Is it really a disease risk like Lyme disease, for example? Not going to vaccinate for Lyme disease here. I've, I've seen one case in 11 years. That's a silly vaccine to give. The other thing is that the AVMA, the Medical Association, had did heavy research uh, in the early 2000s on and what they discovered was the core vaccines have three-year-plus protection. So guess what? We only need to give them once every three years. Um Whereas the more elective ones, the ones that are more lifestyle specific, tend to be yearly because they're bacterial in nature. You know, these core vaccines we're giving once every three years. Um, so we're we're tailoring 
the, the vaccine protocol to the needs of your pet. We don't want to over-vaccinate. We don't want to under-vaccinate. Over-vaccinating could lead to problems. You know, the, the um, in order to stimulate an immune response, you know, they, they, basically what you're doing when you give a vaccine is you're giving something that mimics the d- disease organism itself, causing the body to mount an immune response. There's some stress involved with that, and you don't want to do that lightly. You want to do it when they need it. I mean, am I scared of vaccines? No, but do I want to limit them where I can? Absolutely. Does the shot wagon limit them? Absolutely not. It's the only way they make money. They're, even though there's three-year rabies, they're going to give it every year. Even though there's three years distemper, they're going to give it every year. They're going to give every shot out there as often as they possibly can and convince you for some cockamamie reason that they're right in doing that. Here's the other thing. Giving shots to sick pets can make them even sicker. I just explained to you that we're stimulating an immune response when we give vaccines. This does lead to some level of stress. If there's underlying disease that's not found because there's no wellness, no screening being done, no examination even, no temperature taken, it can exacerbate the illness. It can make it worse, make it harder to treat. By the time they end up in my office, they've been seeing the shot wagon for three years, living with some chronic disease. They're a mess when they come to see me. You know, so so you have to keep that in mind. So before giving vaccines in my in my office, we're going to give a full comprehensive examination, nose to tail. We're going to take a temperature reading. We're going to do a heartworm screening in dogs. And for dogs and cats both, we're going to do a stool analysis on uh, any patients, canine or feline, over the age of seven, seven years or older, we're going to do a blood pressure reading that we don't charge for. It's complimentary, part of the regular examination. Um, and, and we're going to be looking for hypertension. It could be an early disease sign or a primary problem in and of itself. So that's what we're going to do before we're going to plug your pet with vaccines. Lots of times, well, your you, you, cat's running a fever. What's up with that? Hmm. Let's look into this a little bit further before I start plugging away with vaccines. That's the way you do it. And the last point I want to make is that pets, discount facilities, they they think ultimately they're saving money. They're getting over on, you know, they're getting over on on us. <laughs> um because, you know, they're going somewhere cheap. They don't need they don't need general veterinary care because their pet is healthy and we're just gouging them, you know, by charging for vaccines, ooh, and an examination. Right? So in many cases, folks, all things said and done, they ultimately don't save money. Here's a great example. Wonderful lady, lovely lady. She comes into my office a few years ago. She's got a Shih Tzu, and she's got, you know, like five Shih Tzus. And this is this one is the lo- you know, the one she's had the longest and she loves this dog. Came in with this big swelling of its jaw, big swelling of its mandible. That's the lower, lower jaw. And when I examined it, I discovered that this dog had an abscess from a rotten tooth, but that tooth wasn't the only rotten one. The whole mouth was rotten. It was absolutely putrid. It smelled like rotting carcass, a rotting fish carcass. And worse than that, where the abscess was, there was a pathological fracture of the mandible. The mandible was actually broken. There was no no viable bone left. It just snapped because it, it had gotten so weakened from the chronic infection because this dog had never had dentistry, never had any well care. No one ever pointed out to her that the dog had rotten teeth. So long story short, I ended up having to do a hemimandibulectomy on this dog. Very 12 teeth. And on blood work, I find out that his kidneys were compromised. He's got a white cell count off the chart. His kidneys got infected secondarily 
to the infection in his mouth, got seated in the kidneys, had to hospitalize him for three days on fluids and two antibiotics while his jaw was healing, and I just pulled 12 teeth. I mean, what the what this dog had to go through was was terrible. Um, ultimately, it worked out well. We did really good pain management, and you know, luckily to this day, he's still with us and he's still doing really well. Well, um, <clears throat> when when you look at this lady's bill for this, you know, she she spent about thirty six hundred dollars. There's a lot of work. The surgery alone was three hours. You know, th- three days of intensive hospitalization to get this dog right. Um, prescription diet to you know moving forward to protect his kidneys. She spent thirty six hundred dollars. Now, this dog at this point in his life was about 10 or 11 years old, had she yearly well and a few dentistries throughout the course of that dog's life, she would have spent less than a thousand, less than a thousand dollars over a 10 year period. She would have spent versus dropping 3,600 in my office that week. Well, guess who now is on board with coming for yearly wellness every year with all of her Shih Tzus. Guess who has dentistry performed whenever we recommend it to stay ahead of it. This lady learned the hard way. Folks, don't let yourself learn the hard way. Do the well care. You get what you pay for. And that applies to veterinary medicine as well as any other field. Have a great evening. Thank you so much for joining me. I always appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen to what I have to say. Talk to you next week. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the Internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network, with gig speeds everywhere. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.